0: Hello, it's time to chat with me, Kamea, and me, Rose. On the show, we have courageous conversations that illuminate shared experiences related to food and gender.
1: We are here to help folks digest their relationship to food. In today's episode, we talk about
0: sandwiches. Is asking someone to make you a sandwich a gendered question? My own inequality. Good evening, is it?
1: That is debatable, but I think we're in a good spot as of now. Because if you asked me that 15 minutes ago, I... Like, it's very rare that you have seen me angry. hmm But I feel like you got a dose of that yeah. this evening. Yeah. Not, like, at you, but more just the situation. For a long time. I feel like it's it comes in very small waves. So, to give you some perspective, our... 6 p.m. but like really we anticipated starting at 7 because we we're gonna have some pizza glass of wine settle in compare notes get ready for this episode hair record around 7 it's now 9 9 o'clock at night after both of us have worked 9 11 to be exact <laughs> we're finally getting this bitch to work for us technology is a beezy, and i don't know what's different i don't know what went wrong i still haven't figured it out i literally did everything you did everything yep. we were trying everything we've done so much learning and it's still like a total fluke that i can't figure out what was wrong <laughs> i just need it to work for me i just need technology to serve me i needed to go in there and just make me a goddamn sandwich please see you're much nicer than i am see, for once no i'm for once <laughs> while i was gonna say, no i'm not <laughs> Did you hear the attitude? Please. (laughs) But the attitude's very interesting. Um, When we were preparing for this episode, like all like laughing aside and building up to it, I think it's hilarious that I got into this point and I went on a random like, I just need this to work for me. I just need it to serve me. Is that too much? And you just looked at me and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'm doing the thing.
0: It's not the same. It's not the same because it's not a living, breathing entity. No,
1: but but it is crazy, frustrating. How much that like that phrase "go make me a sandwich." It does have a certain tone to it, Mm -hmm. and you know, feistiness aside. I know that I'm in a particular mood right this minute. Let
0: it out. I love this side of you. That's why I told you earlier. I was like, keep this going. (laughs) Like, how can I make you more angry right now? And then I gave you white wine and you're like, it's nine o'clock at night. I do not want this. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's move on. Next <laughs> bottle. And then the next bottle was clearly not good. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was all fizzy and it tasted really and I weird. I was like, is it
1: supposed to be fuzzy? And like, it was hilarious <laughs> as I was talking to my good friend I was today so excited and she about that literally had two bottles in her very recent past that were bad. And she's like, what's going on? Everybody's and then I understaffed. And it was you think that's what's wrong i think that's you're I'm bringing up, the working class no, for our bad wine think, right no, now i'm straight up
0: saying there is hardly any workers and i think the workers the working class you and i <laughs> are pushing really hard to just get our shit done with less and less people around it's a problem every industry there's nobody there i wonder why hmm. i have theories anyways Anyway, sandwiches. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I was going to be like, yeah, that's why the wine is bad. But we found a bottle that works and is delicious and we are moving on.
1: Yeah, this is a, just a, this is a little like, melt it out of my full glass and I'm a lot more like even tempered as you can tell i don't know i kind of liked you better though the way you were before <laughs> no you're i'm like, just kidding I, you're like i you don't really just like boss me around like this I'm i like it it. just i just need it to work <laughs> tell me what you need i got i can do it tell me what you need anyway <laughs> oh. but there is that tone of control and just there like is. seeking something to control and i just like at a certain point i just need this podcast to work i've done all the prep i've done all these things and i just need the technology part to work um and it just it wasn't it wasn't but tone is very important
0: tone is very important especially when we live in such like a digital world where everything is via text email it's easy to misconstrue things and i think the phrase go make me a sandwich One, just those words together, go make me a sandwich, is already kind of an aggressive set of words. It's more of a demand and not like an ask. Is that because there's
1: no permission or kindness offered beforehand or after?
0: Yeah, I would say because if it didn't say like, if it did say, can you go make me a sandwich? Or will you please go make me a sandwich? Or the passive aggressive,
1: I really want a sandwich right now. Has that happened to you? Um, oh my God, my life would be so much better if I just had a sandwich right now. In fact, I I need this to stop. I need, like, I just, I, I could really use a sandwich. I would say
0: maybe not, like, specifically a sandwich, but yes, that has happened to me, and I usually ignore it. And I go, hmm, same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. It's so funny. I do get very hangry. And I think the angriest I have ever been at my husband has always been related to hunger. Always. There was one time I came home. I think it was when I was both farming and in school. And I had a really long day where I had done both. And it was very kind of him to make me a sandwich. It's very sweet. And he was being so meticulous maybe he's afraid of you about putting this sandwich together and so just like i'm gonna do it slow and low and make sure the cheese is all the way melted through and like it's gonna be evenly toasted and i was just like so hungry and i feel like it took him a full half hour <laughs> to make this sandwich and that's not an exaggeration i realized i was hungry but after about 10 minutes, I just was like, I can't. He's trying to ask me I'm not going to have this day. sandwich. It's done. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm so, like, angry right now that I'm just, I walked up to the fridge. I, like, put my hand in his face and was like, I can't talk to you. And I went and I grabbed a beer and I went and sat outside. And I was like, you tell me when that sandwich is done because this is not <laughs> going to be productive right he now. He totally
0: was terrified that I you not were-
1: I can't. So oh, that's
0: funny. You put and, the fear of God in him. Did I? I hope that's He not probably true. was like, Holy shit, I don't want to fuck this sandwich up because I love her so much. And then he's doing it. And then you're like, Mm-mm, with your hand in his face. And he's like, Oh shit, this sandwich has to be perfectly golden on every corner. Well, and the cheese
1: has to be perfectly evenly melted. I think I just don't run with a lot of patience in my life. But like, I burn toast you all are the time. You're very patient. I don't know what you're talking about. You have not seen the amount of times I burn toast. And my dog is afraid every time I pull out bread. And like a skillet. We don't own a toaster because I burn toast all the time. And she's just like, this is a pattern. The smoke alarm's gonna go off. I have to hide in the bathroom.
0: That's funny. Yeah, I just I like to create the narrative in my brain that you just put the fear of God in both your husband and your dog. And that you're secretly
1: like, once you close the door, you're just like (sighs) you're a demon on the other side. That's not my main goal. I try not to do that. But if I'm hungry, you should try it. Everyone's got cool. It's fine. If I'm hungry, I get mean. But one thing that's very interesting is I asked um, both a much younger co-worker than me, different generation, as you would say, because I was curious, like, does this still have legs in the same way it does in my brain? Like, When I say, go make me a sandwich, what does this mean? I can just say it with that tone of like go make me a sandwich and I say what does that mean for you and people still respond with that's very misogynistic I think a man bossing his wife around and that was true for my coworker another coworker and then I also asked on my Instagram family and several people responded and were just like I immediately think of misogyny there's a food truck in my area that actually is called go make me a sandwich and every time I walk by it it just like makes me really uncomfortable because Because there are these undertones that you're like, this actually isn't okay. It speaks, it says more than just go make me a sandwich. Is that because there's no kindness in it? Like, I don't know. I can't think of like, go make me a burrito. And we'll get back to the burrito.
0: The fact that it is a demand, it's like worded in English as a demand that it makes it feel exactly like our conversation we had about the domestic housewife it's suppressive it's that's what you were meant for you are this thing that i use and that is one of your uses so i need you to do that just like when we say hey siri you know it's the same kind of context in a certain way but we have a different emotional response to go make me a sandwich versus hey siri
1: what time is it is it raining outside are you polite to siri i don't use it I, just, I want it to work better than it does. And also, I have a lot of its functions disabled because I don't like being listened to. Anyway. Same. But I, I do think it's interesting that the language we immediately assume is gendered. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we associate more aggressive language with masculinity and that's a learned behavior based on what society has put up with for a really really long time like even in going through some pop culture references for this episode and talking to some people I can find I can find clips like oh watch that 70s show and like what's his butt the bald man is like playing the stereotypical like the wife's a bitch and then you have the whole ball and chain yeah totally and then you have your guy and he has a scene I think he has more than one scene I could be wrong I'm not an expert in that 70s show at all. Where he's just like, oh, you want to help? Go make me a fucking sandwich. Or go, Mm -hmm. he doesn't say fucking. But he just says, go make me a sandwich. (laughs) Go fucking make me a sandwich. fucking make me a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, no, I
0: think it's interesting because it is very gendered in my mind. And I feel like I can speak for a lot of the women that run in like my circle. That it's very like a masculine tone. Um, I feel like it's just i don't know even i was mentioning this to you earlier but even though now like obviously history has kind of like worked some shit out and we're like not quite in the same place we were in the 50s and the 40s and the 60s but hmm. um in some ways <laughs> pause right there in some you ways become
1: my, my little hmm. Hmm,
0: hmm. but in terms of like the go make me the sandwich thing it for me like hits on every single note of the oppressive kitchen that it was for a woman at that time
1: like it's also the man asserting dominance over something that's technically her domain it's
0: so complicated because of that and I think when I've heard it said as a joke and then a dude's like, oh I'm just kidding I'm just kidding I'm just kidding like it's still like just not funny to me like I can I have a sense of humor and like I will laugh at certain things but there's obviously lines that I just don't feel comfortable and in a way I think that's one of them because it's like you're making a joke about so much of women's history being oppressed and not having the freedoms that we have today and we're still fighting for certain freedoms even still now and it just I don't know it's it's gross to me and it's it's never been said to me directly in like that way but I do recall being really young, and my dad's friends would come over, and one time I was cooking, and one of his friends came over, and made a joke to my dad about how oh you taught her you taught her right ha 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 like, slaving away in the kitchen aren't you a lucky man and and my dad would kind of like pop comments of kind of like what have you what did you teach your sons it was weird because I would snap back with comments and be like oh what blah 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 you're not blah, blah, blah. Do you remember any of those comments? I don't remember. They were so like in the gusto of hormones that was just. Oh, I remember those. You just say things and then also you just don't even. It was just like cloud and I don't even know what I said. <laughs> it was yeah. one of those moments. But they would do the same thing. Ah, oh, like just go make me a sandwich. Like and just like kind of joke around and be like, oh, I'm just kidding. What I understood was that they viewed even in a joking way that my place as his daughter was in the kitchen making food for him and his friends and that. Piss me the fuck off, or even just like under your control. I feel like even before I knew what the word feminism was, or even it was even in my vocabulary, I was so like if any specifically man tried to put control over me, I was like, fuck no. I was because I was a pretty somewhat shy and docile girl. I would say like eighty percent of the time, my mom made argue that percentage, but like when I, it's my Leo rising. I can be cool and calm as and so a cucumber. If you fucking touch that button, like I will come at you. My sous chef makes jokes, and he's he's like, "Are you gonna put the fear of God in them?" Which is why I brought that up to you.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I am. But the, this term, where we have that turn of phrase, that catchphrase, "Go make me a sandwich." When you go on the Wikipedia page for this term, "Go make me a sandwich," which for one, it is culturally relevant enough with enough references to have its own wikipedia page and two the thing that it credits is like where it originates is this snl skit where you have john john Mackey and he was this uber confident weatherman and the whole skit was and i think this was published in the early 80s maybe late 70s somewhere in there i don't know the actual date but somewhere in there, it's basically just loaded with misogynistic language as this guy oh, God, is just yeah. like. Oh, yeah, because I played it for you. Yeah. So this guy is just on there and just like, are you tired? Very infomercial, like very. It's your life in shambles. Can oh, you not put on a bracelet? <laughs> <laughs> this is like. If you're sick of weather men, it didn't say weather, it was a weather man. If you're tired of little boys telling you about the weather, then you need this guy. Do you need a
0: man to tell you what the weather looks like today? Because I'm the man you need.
1: Yeah, you need John, John, something. Right? McAvee? I don't fucking, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. And he just like, it's so fucked up. And it's basically like all these little like, oh, I'm going to slice up this storm. And when it leaves its house, I'm going to like, fuck it in its face and blah, blah, blah. And then it's it talks like about froggy style. It's going to fuck it froggy style. And I,
0: we, Yeah, we, we had a whole conversation about what that could be. Well, because frogs don't actually
1: fuck. They're amphibians. And I think
0: that's part of the joke, the underlining for like the smart people to laugh. I don't, I don't think that's what it is at all. Because you got, I didn't get that. I was like, hmm, I have an idea of what that could be. And then you're like, well, they don't actually fuck. And I was like, whoa. I don't actually know how amphibians Maybe it's fuck, like Christian they, fucking. They
1: have like eggs. And it's like Christian doggy style. I don't know if that's true. Because I was actually thinking that it, like your frog legs, you actually have more flexibility so you get a little bit lower yeah but i i don't i don't know it's for the yoga ladies or guys uh, sure um but anyway apparently whenever the storm leaves this house, its house is john john like bangs his wife and part of the skit is that it's like yeah when storms leave this house i'm just like bitch this bitch this yeah that's right i'm gonna make this storm a bitch and i'm gonna tell you where it's gonna be and it's gonna go in the kitchen and it's gonna make me a sandwich snl to my understanding is never they're not poets they are no. writers it is definitely a skill. They're making
0: fun of what's going on in the current world that we live in and well, over exaggerating the stereotypes i guess that's
1: part of why my brain goes to poets because yeah. a lot of times poets are just like giving you words for the things that you are feeling that you don't have words for yeah. and this is a my mom's a poet this is a service that poets and songwriters and comedians they kind of feel of like here's this shit you can't say I'm gonna put words to it so that you understand it better so the idea that SNL originated this like catchphrase of like go make me a sandwich I feel like has deeper roots because they're just articulating something that people were experiencing already. Well,
0: that's the thing, because I... I, You had mentioned to me that you had found this, that this is where it supposedly originated, and I was like, that's bullshit. I feel like... Because what got... I'm not going to take credit. It's not what got us talking about this conversation, but when we had talked about what kind of content we wanted to talk about and, like, topics and whatnot, I was watching this movie that was basically about the protesting that happened there's a bunch of other things in the movie but um it was essentially about the vietnam war and the states protesting against it and there was a scene with this girl who was protesting and she had a bunch of these dudes that were heckling her base like to me the way i like computed it was they were heckling her specifically because there wasn't a ton of women actually like in the picket fences probably because they're taking care of the like babies at home and they were heckling her and telling her to like take her top off asking her why she's there and just being like fucking assholes as people can be on the Mm -hmm. opposite side of a protest and she's just kind of like classily ignoring them and essentially like they start yelling at her to go make go make me a sandwich what are you doing why don't you go make me a sandwich and she of course responds like irritated and then essentially like a big outburst happens and then there's a whole mob and there's a terrifying scene in it. But, um, and that was in the seventies then. So this is before the SNL skit. And they clearly said that to her, like in the film, this is totally a film based on real events, but the guy said, go make me a sandwich in a very antagonizing way. Like they wanted her to respond and she did. And then shit like hit the fan. But it's like
1: that was in the 70s. It was in the 70s for that movie. And then when the movie came out talking about events that happened prior. But in the very recent past. And then we have the SNL skit that falls in there somewhere. But then we also have the fact that hillary ran into that exact same language when she ran for president there was a whole facebook group that was like stop running drop out of the race go make me a sandwich was in the title of the um facebook group and it's it's very interesting if you look into the misogyny around hillary's race in general because her first presidential race people were just like oh The way in which people organized around the amount of misogyny she faced it was bad for her first run means that she's got it in the bag for the second one and i technically she did win the popular vote but she faced that very direct language in terms of go make me a sandwich and received a lot of criticism about what she ate and the way her food was talked about and on the list for season two i have one Hmm. about politics and food but we'll get there i think one of the interesting things about that like phrase of like go make me a sandwich is there's like this element of control but there's also a total disregard for the other person it's not polite it's not kind and there isn't assumed just like it's fine because it's men boys will be boys essentially oh it doesn't matter
0: what they say like they're just boys they're just They're just squawking.
1: They're just squawking, but it's also like if women were to have that same language, they'd be like, whoa, are you on your period? Do you need a Midol? I've never had that, but I know of it. I was
0: going to say, I've never taken menstrual pain relief because an Advil does the same fucking thing if I feel like I need it, but sometimes I like to feel my uterine wall just break away. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, Okay. Anywhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, welcome to my mind. Um, um, well, it's interesting some because... Some
1: herbs I can recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Well <laughs> fairy princess over here.
0: <laughs> um, no, I think it's interesting because like... What? Sliced bread came out in like the 20s, 30s, right? Roughly.
1: Yes. And before we get into sliced bread, I do just want to make one little point. I love it. Go. Okay. I think... It's very interesting, this through line between how we accept male's aggressiveness in language, but we really anticipate and expect a certain politeness in the way women speak. In my working life, I will ask if I can ask a question when I'm in sales my sales are better if i flux the end of my sentences to sound more like a question Mm -hmm. if i am more questioning in how i deliver my message yeah it is much easier to sell to men and even in situations where i'm selling a product that is mostly consumed by women there are a lot of women who have mostly economic independence and i'm someone who's danced between that of being like mostly independent on my own but also like relying on men in my life and part of that's opportunity honestly but in that case there is a more complicated story about how men are still controlling the purse strings and how money flows We can get into the wage gap. We can get into all that. But more importantly, if you're in sales, you know that a lot of times men are making those decisions about how women make the purchasing decisions. Like women might make the decisions and do a lot of the like social capital, the decision making, the research, whatever. But then the man has to actually finally like seal the deal. And when you offer your information with that influx of Questions and you raise your tone at the end, and you don't just deliver it. They find it less threatening, and they're more likely to buy mm-hmm. it. I would agree, hundred percent. And this is a learned survival mechanism. It's totally a survival mechanism, but it works. I mean, you deal with the general public, and then you go to answer the phone for a customer, and your tone, like, oh, totally yeah. shifts, and the pitch oh, in your yeah. voice goes a little bit higher, yeah, a little bit friendlier. That's so funny. You bring that up because
0: literally at my job we have like an answer machine right for the phone the business phone and i was the one who did the recording of i've reached blah 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 blah." like our business hours are and my front house manager was like i happened to listen to it the other day because he was in the office when we had a phone like message and he was just like what he's like rose's phone voice and like her like customer service voice is so different She's and i'm so like
1: sweet and he really
0: was like i almost questioned it was you or not and i'm like yeah because i'm talking to everybody i'm not just talking to you i'm not just talking to my friends i'm not talking to my mom or my, you know what i mean yeah and it it, it is it's like it sounds kind of cheesy but trying to sound genuine at the same time
1: <laughs> well and there's a whole lot of research out there about why so many of our ai voices are women mm-hmm. because it's friendlier it's less threatening and blah blah blah. blah. it's comforting <laughs> anyway not to go back to siri but um another place that this politeness and understanding how polite language shows up in the workforce that's very timely right now is actually our supreme court hmm so, I've been reading your resident dork friend about how the Supreme Court has actually recently, in the recent weeks, changed the way in which argument is going to take place. And the theory is that it will help with it, the amount of interruptions that female justices face when they try to interrogate. Oh my God, I love that data. I didn't say any data. I would love that though. I would love to like hear it. Not to, I'm not expecting that. I mean I will put links to actual data in the show that. notes for you. But I'm not just going to spit it out for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, but it is really interesting because that wasn't the initial motivation. The initial motivation was that they were forced to not interrupt people. Because we were forced into a virtual working environment due to COVID. Yes. And so... The way that they organized it was that they could do arguments where justices, in order of seniority, would be able to ask questions of the people bringing their case and be like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? Without being interrupted. Of course, it's no surprise to people listening to stuff like our show that women are disproportionately interrupted by, and this is very interesting, by the lawyers that are coming with cases because in the court system there is a very strong hierarchy of like you know they're your supreme court justices you don't fucking interrupt them but if they're a woman maybe you can
0: and You'll be less like
1: the slap on your wrist will be way less totally the other interesting thing that they found was that as we increased in the amount of women that were serving on the bench the more male justices interrupted them where if it was like one it's like fine but then you get like two three and then they start getting weird and then they start interrupting the women more they get more uncomfortable but the speculation is these new rules
0: might cut down on that That's really, really interesting. I feel like in my professional world, um, I get interrupted all the time with people that I some like respect and people that I don't respect and people that are nothing in my job and people that are really important in terms of like the business I work for Um, across the board, evenly people that I like literally everybody constantly interruptions constant and it's something you cope with as a woman and you just kind of like deal and like it's whatever but um one thing that I've noticed when I'm in a room with anybody who's not a dude that's trying to speak but is getting interrupted or the voice of the the male that's talking gets louder will raise their hand in the middle of a normal fucking conversation Mm. that happened to me today and then I just pause I'm like do you have something to say I don't know what's up
1: but <laughs> I was raising my hand just to fuck with her what's going on
0: what do you want to say talk
1: but like I you,
0: hands raised to the side because that's a whole other thing that's like one way that we can get the attention of the room something that I used a lot in my early 20s and like the management world that i was slightly coming into and i wanted to say something or i had a thought or whatever i'd raise my hand because that was like the best way that people would like stop and like the attention would be on me which is like weird but that's so interesting because the so idea weird. of
1: raising my hand is so embarrassing to it's me. so
0: embarrassing but like again it's a survival well if this is like the only thing that gets people to actually listen to me like i'll do it and then but basically like my, my pull point here is that when I hear... This almost happens on a daily basis. When there's a female in the room or somebody who's basically not the majority did or the person, I hear just men's ears are just not the same as everybody else's. Like, they just... I feel like literally just this do not genetics. hear us. Like, sometimes I swear to God it is. Like, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way you just literally didn't hear this girl trying to say something but, over and over and over we again. But if
1: acknowledge that gender is a social construct, they have to fucking get over it. I know. And that's where, like when they're that pretending came into
0: my, we have the same ears we have the same ears and i think like when all of that came into my life early 20s it like blew my mind of like oh my god it's not just like weird genetics <laughs> it's literally like you're conditioned to be an asshole and again it's the fact that you don't hear these women trying to speak and so like i'll like give the dude attention and immediately like cut off like i don't care what you just said what did you have to say like sarah like whoever like what do you have to say like I want to hear what you want to say yeah and then like I always try to create space especially because I am in a seat of power at my job so like if anybody gets to like sh- stop that person from talking and like move on to somebody yeah. else it's kind of me and that it's like when you were talking about the tone of your voice and how you ask things like I find myself saying the word I think or I'm sorry like I spent my whole early 20s just like I don't want to be that person and like I don't want to fall victim of that, like, patriarchal conditioning. And so I rejected all of it. And then I became, like, I feel like a much more, like, confident, like, strong entity in a room. But that also comes with other shit, too. It comes with
1: consequences. It comes with
0: consequences. So then now I'm in this weird place of, like, having to kind of, like, almost pivot and balance. Like, when do I use that and when do I not? And, like, I find myself when i have like a quote-unquote professional come in like somebody who is like my dishwasher mechanic or a delivery person and i'm like i'm like i 100 did not fucking order I'm,
1: I'm not sure if this is what was on my order I'm versus like i didn't order that to check and be the expert right now will you save me exactly
0: i'm i'm giving you the opportunity and it's just it's really annoying because i catch myself doing that i'm like god why'd you just fucking like, because it do that? because the times that i go hey i didn't order that they look at me and they immediately get like guarded and like yes, their chest did. puffs and they go yeah you did what are you talking about and then i like crumble because i'm like oh my god i don't want to have like conflict right now
1: yeah and i don't want to pay for this thing i didn't order
0: yeah no i think
1: tone is everything back tone to tone is everything tone is everything talking about tone one thing that's very interesting about um the supreme court our justice sonia satmeyer she even quicker than rbg just discarded a lot of polite language in terms of the like asking to ask a question and her language started mirroring her male colleagues much faster than other women who had been serving for a long time where she was just like this is what I have to say I'm here to like do a job and, and then you're hated for it oh immediately she's been roasted like you're literally hated roasted for yes by conservative media even more liberal media. I know... Do
0: you talk to her husband that way?
1: <laughs> right. She is known as the terror on the bench, but she's also one of the first to be like, hey, these new rules about how we're taking arguments on the bench might actually make a difference for women moving forward. Duh. They might actually make a difference. Like, because why does somebody even have to say that? Like, it's fucking obvious. I don't think... I've given her enough credit before this week and, like, getting into this, like, what is this polite language? And we made a very intentional decision that on our podcast, when we were, like, having conversations of design, like, no, we're going to swear. We don't have to be nice. This is one space we don't have to be nice. When we're selling the podcast, we're going to be nice as fuck. I mean, obviously,
0: but I still may say, like, my fucking ass looks really good in this dress. Thank you very much. It does. It does. (laughs) But... I'm not going to say, yeah, like, fucking your fucking fucked up, motherfucker. Like, I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I talk all the time. <laughs> it's all about balance. This
1: is why I don't go into public with you.
0: Just wear some rose cords, and
1: I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to be their fucking moms. Well, that is being moms. That makes me think of people packing lunches. Moms packing lunches. hmm Packing sandwiches for lunches. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of sandwiches and lunches. And that's my one year in public school that I begged my mom to let me go. And then I got lice and I said, take me back. I don't want to do it anymore. But I got the lunchbox and that's really what I wanted. But sandwiches were extremely convenient. And legend has it that it originated From a gambler in England. Did I tell you about this already? I feel like I've read about this. Mr. Sandwich. Sandwich is named after a person in England. Oh my God, we totally read about the same thing. Well, yeah, it's pretty common. It's pretty Googleable. Like, Googleable. Googleable. You know. But when you look at the origins of a sandwich, it's like, oh, it totally came from this guy. And he was like, bring me something I can eat while well, I'm still gambling with, like, one hand. And his chef brought a sandwich, essentially. And he kept, like, he loved it. And then it kept happening. And then people, like, caught on and blah, 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 that's blah. So it's so It's stupid.
0: Can you imagine, though, like, pre-sandwich era? The food you would have would be, like, let's say everything that's inside of a sandwich. Like, cheese and meat. Yeah. And this is old time cheese and meat. So it's not like the Lunchables that we know, or like it's probably more similar to like our charcuterie board, like the cured meats that are oily. And they have like, if you has paprika in it, it's gonna be like extra oily and like leave marks on things. Imagine those a deck of cards.
1: How gross that would be. Probably pretty nasty. Do you think it was somebody's job at that time to like clean the cards? No. We didn't clean the cards. We didn't clean the broomsticks before we shoved them up our vaginas. See the episode before this. We didn't clean. We proceeded as best we could with the science that we had. And a lot of people died. A lot
0: of people died. That's interesting. Um, One thing that I read about him that I thought kind of blew my mind in all of the ways, both negative and positive, was that they in England, the Wall Street Journal dubbed this man, the guy that d- invented sandwiches supposedly.
1: This was the gambler or the gambler chef,
0: the gambler,
1: the gambler itself. Got this the is credit. who he was talking about. So,
0: the name that I got was John. Ah, the Weatherman. The Weatherman. No, <laughs> no, different John. Um, but similar story and the Wall Street Journal essentially dubbed him in a i'm assuming a britain article from england whatever he was the biggest contribution to gastronomy and i just i have so many feelings on that because for anybody who doesn't understand gastronomy or like that's like a weird word to them how would you define it it's not just culinary it's more so, um, I think it even says this in the definition if you Google it. But it's it's the relationship between food and culture, very specifically. Yep. So like gastro pubs, it's like a type of gastronomy. Um, molecular gastronomy is science and food and taking things and making them into foam and shit, taking foods and turning them into something you cannot recognize, basically alien food, which is really cool, but also like totally not my vibe. But like kind of, I don't know. The fact though that they're they like this large name the wall street journal dubs him to be the biggest contributor to gastronomy is frustrating because it's a fucking sandwich and it's again he gets the credit but not the guy who actually put it together who's to say that that guy at the gambling table was like actually i have an idea those pieces of toast you have
1: in the back can you put those around my piece of meat that i want to eat well and if you dig into it that particular gambler whatever His last name was Sandwich. I don't remember his first name.
0: See, I read that he was, like, Sandwich was, like, came from, like, some, like, family line. Like, he was the fourth of Sandwich.
1: Sandwich the fourth.
0: Sandwich the fourth. Sandwich the seventh. Yeah. I mean, there was was a third, there was a second, there was a first. (laughs) So, Sandwich the seventh. Sandwich the seventh. Technically the fourth. But, um, yeah, sandwiches are fucking
1: everywhere, and i can't imagine a world where we don't have sandwiches of any form well what i was going to say one article that i read suggested that this particular person that had the gambling problem got the idea because of traveling in more of the mediterranean region and they would take a lot of the things that you would find on i'm thinking of some of my favorite sandwiches actually like cucumbers yes. olives hummus like these things oh, totally uh, cured meats fresh cured meats. meats mediterranean things when you just think of that as a genre Yum. in our general world now they would put those things from a board and then serve it to people between bread which sounds fucking delicious to me yeah and it wasn't called a sandwich. It was just like a thing that he experienced when he traveled. And it made sense to like basically So he serve... wasn't the one that
0: invented it.
1: No, he wasn't the one who invented it. He saw it somewhere else.
0: People outside of America invented it. Like pretty much everything in the world.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> it was outside of America, but it was outside of Britain. Oh, yeah,
0: Britain. We're talking about Britain. God damn it.
1: This is pre-America. And so then there are some articles that are just like, America wanted to forget its colonial
0: past. I mean, that's still our past. It's still relevant to who we are. It's not the
1: past. Like that's. I just, just want what to forget America my did. teen years. I are so awful. To the puberty. Oh my god.
0: Terrible people. This great big land that we're gonna steal.
1: Anyway. I'm Anyways.
0: Um. Interesting. I read not America, but they would serve um, like meat. And the way it was kind of described was like kind of somewhat saucy, meats, vegetables, things like that. And they didn't have like a vessel for a plate, so they would use these like pieces of like what somewhat was bread. Um, these circular bread plates, and they were <laughs> <Sounds quite> delicious. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's and awesome. They were referred to as trenchers, and the plates were the bread plates, the plates that were made out of bread. I'm sure this is not bread that me and you were thinking of, but a kind of flour and water substance that was probably like cooked to the point where it was hard. Um, But yeah, they were called trenchers. And they would load up these bread circles and they'd eat. And then it would absorb all this like juices and stuff from the the product that they'd be eating that... Because this is where I'm saying it's probably not the bread that we're thinking of because the... The humans would eat all of the things. And then the leftover would be this kind of soggy, not so like awesome bread plate thing, the trencher. And then they'd feed that to the dogs or like the animals that were around. And that would be like go to them as like the seconds. I thought that was really interesting.
1: It's very interesting. Yeah.
0: Do you know? (laughs) The world record for the biggest sandwich ever made are we talking girth or length i'm talking more in poundage oh do you have a guess in the world the biggest sandwich that was ever constructed in the world how much do you think that bitch weighed Do i get a hint <laughs> well that's not
1: fun <laughs> um <laughs> well okay i'll just I'll. how many people did it feed
0: i don't know as many as i don't know that's 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 too much of a variable i don't know how is that a variable because everyone has a different level of how much they can eat and are we talking about age range are we talking about like are they literally dishing this out to fill the person or they just all want to take a bite out of it like that's there's too many variables um but the biggest sandwich ever made was made in michigan in 2005 so within our lifetime talk about the super size me era of our life Uh (sighs) uh-huh just the mustard on this sandwich was 150 pounds just the corned beef on the sandwich was a thousand pounds and i'm kind of i'm 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 shri- i'm rounding the numbers off i'll say that what did they do with this cheese was 260 pounds lettuce this one really surprised me lettuce was 530 pounds worth of like the lettuce on this sandwich that's a
1: lot of lettuce mm-hmm.
0: and then not did shocker. they bake the
1: bread I don't
0: know. These are questions that I have that I didn't take this much time to research, but I'm very, very curious. The bread itself was 3,500 pounds, which brings you to a whopping 5,400 pounds of sandwich. Again, I'm very much fudging these but numbers and ate rounding them sandwich, off.
1: Right? They didn't just throw it away.
0: It was a corned beef sandwich because what's not more Michigan than that? Isn't that crazy? a lot of sandwich do people eat this and then i wanted to know like how many people did it take to like move the bread or to assemble the sandwich like i want to know those questions which i could not in a
1: very quick scam i could
0: not find so them. i've
1: been in communication with a couple of folks locally about trying to break a wreck a world record oh really that's on your list of to do's yeah we're gonna make the biggest gin and juice we're gonna invite snoop Dogg, obviously
0: dude he would totally come and then he would fucking bring martha stewart
1: shit fuck
0: okay (laughs) i'm in on this i don't know if
1: we're actually gonna do it but we've had a few conversations It's one of my favorite snoop
0: Dogg songs so i'm already in anyway to go with
1: your sandwich your giant sandwich we could do this thing i love it let's do it but it's a lot of logistics for a giant sandwich
0: i'm really into this idea of having a ginormous sandwich that is one thing that we can feed in the hundreds of people as well as your gin and juice jacuzzi that we will be having which I'm so pumped for it's not a jacuzzi we're just gonna drink it if we can set up a shower for people to bathe before they get into the jacuzzi anyways um I think in terms of planning this event what kind of sandwich are we going to produce for our guests And that brings me to the question of what qualifies as a sandwich?
1: What qualifies as a sandwich? That's a very good question. I would like to hear your perspective because I have a very strong feeling about this conversation. So what is a sandwich? People have very strong opinions about it. And they're wrong. Someone told me, someone I care very deeply about told me that they believe a baked potato is a sandwich. And I was a little bit offended. I want to know their argument. It's carbs with things in it. Not to get nitpicky, but
0: I feel like it's a very specific type of carb. But also, I'm like,
1: well, if you did like potato pancakes with like goo inside, like, well, my dear friend today was telling me about this wonderful latke sandwich that she had and it sounded fucking amazing because right. i i do think also the conversation around sandwiches leaves a lot of gluten-free people out where people yeah are. well they can
0: just not be in this conversation
1: well i don't think that's fair i know it's not fair because the gender <laughs> there is a lot of gluten and they still want the comfort of a sandwich and they're hear going that. it's the comfort food thing bread it's not they don't have to have a potato same
0: oh but a potato is close
1: but then it starts getting into like when we were talking about the different food it's not lying to you anymore so it's a different food so when you make like a latke sandwich it's like a different food and it's like totally delicious totally do you think a burrito is
0: a sandwich no why it's very different in what way
1: well i'm very curious there's a few different places that my brain goes when you ask me like is a burrito a sandwich and actually the usda Ugh, sorry the reason the usda has to make these definitions is because they do things like nutrition studies and a lot of our foundations of around like Where the food pyramid comes from that informs the FDA on making its recommendations comes from research from the USDA, but the USDA has to dig into what are people eating, what is the nutritional value, et cetera, et cetera. So in order to conduct a study around what nutritional value people are deriving from sandwiches, they have to define what a sandwich is. To define the parameters of in the USDA are the ones who define
0: it because they know everything. And it informs all things of like the tax codes that are within it.
1: And it informs bureaucracy in terms of nutritional recommendations and tax codes that affect what is eligible for EBT. Um, I
0: think that's all like super important. It's important to identify those things for those reasons
1: But do I agree with how they identify them? No. Well, they had to make a distinction between the sandwich and the burrito. Oh, my God. The things we debate about in the court of law for um, tax purposes, for research purposes. The USDA says a burrito is a sandwich-like product, in quotes. And I found that quite offensive because... I haven't dug into it but that made me question if leavened bread versus unleavened bread like a tortilla actually came first and so if a sandwich is actually a burrito like substance instead of a sandwich like substance and I don't actually know but it made me into the middle of it made me go what the fuck why is that the standard
0: but before a common oven I'm sure tortillas were much more used in the fashion bread than we see today i don't know
1: that's a question it's it's one of those it's it's a subject to put in the parking lot that i would like to inquire more about because i'm always curious but uh the usda's definition is that as simple and as elegant as may seem the sandwich is a sandwich like product but the burrito is actually a different territory and it is all due to labeling policy because it does get complicated too because then you're like well is a burrito a fajita because a fajita a like you have the things and then you have your tortillas or
0: but a pinwheel wrap Ugh. yeah those. it's a sandwich in a tortilla curled into
1: a nice little spiral that brings us joy in every funeral that we ever go to but it also just starts to question like well is a hot dog a sandwich is a hamburger a sandwich yes yes and yes okay well then you really start to open the gender constructs of men being able to make me a goddamn sandwich on their grill because that's like their whole domain yeah so whatever um in this article it's not we just give it to them sure man
0: please take this spatula and go flip Let some meat for him. me go outside i don't want to hear your voice anymore so there Just is this i'm a very loving partner i love him and i appreciate
1: his barbecue skills on mental flosses is an article on five ways to define a sandwich according to the court of law and it does get into the usda definition And how in Massachusetts there was actually a lawsuit around what was a burrito and what was a sandwich. And there needing to be a legal distinction because there was a dispute in the food court about a burrito place opening up too close to a sandwich place. And the sandwich place sued because they were like, this is encroaching on our lease agreement of a non-compete clause. And so then the courts had to go through and argue like okay well actually a burrito and a sandwich is a very different thing and this actually isn't a competing thing because there's burrito like that's i mean as a person a reasonable person understands a different craving between i need a sandwich and i need a burrito oh yeah like i i would argue that they're the same
0: structural complexities there but in terms of cravings
1: and flavor
0: profiles, vastly different.
1: The emotional subconscious part of it is very, very different. But we had to use a lot of resources to argue it and be like, no, there's a burrito and then there's a sandwich. I want to know these lawyers. Are we using this. the same amount of resources? No. On like, no. Wage equality? No. Housing access, Mm. climate change. No, not at all. We're spending thousands, multi thousands of dollars. And I feel comfortable in saying that. It might be more. I don't actually know. I would have it. this this was on a corporate level. Closer to like millions. It might have been millions. Yeah. To debate whether or not a burrito was a sandwich, is a sandwich. It's interesting because
0: there's literal podcasts. That are based around this conversation. I mentioned to you earlier, like, almost any time we have a new person in the kitchen at where I work, this becomes a very playfully heated argument in the kitchen. And it's it's one of those things where, like, as soon as you, you allow one thing to be a sandwich, then we can call out all the hypocriteness of the other points that you're making about, like, a sandwich. And it's just whatever but we have strong feelings. we have strong, strong feelings, what feelings about it in culinary school i had an entire course that was about sandwich building and i was sick on that week and then guess who failed that portion of her final you can't make a sandwich i didn't make the sandwich accordingly and i thought out of all the weeks that i could miss school because i'm being sick that makes sense like I know how to do a sandwich I've made sandwiches my whole life like I can read about it in my textbook and understand the ingredients and it's fine no I failed that whole section of my final because I didn't properly make the sandwich in the culinary world's like standards and do you know
1: what that standard is like what the definition is
0: um it's it has something to do with the, the fat that's spread on the like carbohydrates um it has something to do with like the content of like protein versus vegetable versus like dairy um hitting all the food groups um one of the things that i thought was the most like oh shit fun fact that i learned in school is technically a pizza on a technical level is an open face sandwich because of the ingredients on the top it's not that much different than avocado toast it's not that much different than a hot brown Kentucky hot brown it's like when you actually pick it apart ingredient level it's not that much different that's where I'm like okay well let's throw like pitas or wraps into the mix it's the same shit but then but then you get into this weird line of like okay well if I'm at an Indian restaurant and I'm having non bread and I'm scooping my like Buttered chicken, like, is that a sandwich? Once it's in my hand on my pita, I would say no, but I think other people would disagree with that. I think a hot dog is one hundred percent a sandwich. I think a hamburger is one hundred percent a sandwich. I think a quesadilla is a sandwich. I think a burrito is a sandwich. I think they are within the sandwich family one hundred percent. I think, like I said, um, like a gyro is a sandwich. I think anything that is. the ingredients that is surrounded by a carbohydrate but then you brought up the potato and i'm kind of like holy shit i don't necessarily agree with that because i think a baked potato isn't the right application to that starch product
1: but what's the difference to between make a it baked potato being a sandwich in the latke sandwich
0: because a lot has a different like procedure and skills that you're putting into the potato to make it into this pancake like texture a baked potato is a stuffed ingredient because then we're getting into like Chili rellenos exactly you know we could talk about like chalupas that's a sandwich i mean it's fried i mean i I guess i'm i guess i wouldn't call it a sandwich and in the world of open face sandwiches it's really interesting because there's like the kentucky hot brown and the crockman sure that are open face smothered sandwiches but i don't necessarily view them or think of them as a sandwich again if we're talking emotional feelings on this product, that's a different story because I 100% agree. I have a different emotional craving. I don't necessarily view the Kentucky Brown as a sandwich, but technically, it's a smothered open face sandwich. Just like okay, then now what's let's talk a Kentucky about Kentucky Brown. Um, <laughs> it is a open face smothered sandwich from the 20s. It is turkey and bacon and usually some sort of melted cheese but also has like a mornay which is a cheese sauce that's like poured over the top and then you eat it with like a fork and knife they're not good I've never had one that I actually enjoy I don't like soggy bread um one of the I guess bringing in to the sandwich argument that my mom would always have as a leftover go-to meals we had a lot of pot roast growing up and we'd always eat all the veggies and then there would be all this meat left over. And so my mom would always, like, the next day we'd always have, um... Honestly, I don't even remember what she called them, but I hated them as a kid. And we would just toast whatever bread we had in the house, butter it, put it on a plate, and then just spoon the, like, pot roast and the gravy over the top. And that was our dinner. In my house, that was called Shit on a Shingle. Sh- That's a much appropriate name for it because I hated it I would literally just be like can I just have like the gravy and meat like do not want the bread I don't like soggy bread it grosses me out um but that was like always a thing my dad loves and she loved so it was like they were all excited to have that the day after pot roast and it was awful but yeah Kentucky Brown is just a super old-time American thing it's similar to the like French the crockman sure actually now that I think about it it's kind of just like a a less fancy version um that one is just like ham cheese typically gruyere because french it's the only way to go and then it has a bechamel port over the top
1: sounds like a stomach ache
0: oh it's incredibly rich i worked in a restaurant once where that was on the brunch menu and it was oddly popular this is how my the restaurant that i worked with at the time this is what they would do they did like ham like nice thick actual ham not deli meat ham and then the like gruyere cheese or sometimes it would be swiss and then they put it between two pieces of bread coat the bread like you would with french toast and an egg kind of custard but like a savory custard pan fry it put it on the plate so it'd be like a savory french toast grilled cheese and then they poured the bechamel over the top and that was how it was served again fork and knife and it is disgusting in my opinion But I also don't like soggy bread. What's the worst sandwich to you? What's your, what's like, oh, it's the worst. Why do you want to go to the worst? Because it's like, I want to know. That's the juicy. That's the
1: goss. That's the hot goss. Give it to me. I have a lot of opinions about what makes the best sandwich. Yeah. But I think that's because of conditioning in terms of like having... Bad sandwiches, right? And I think a lot of that it's similar to like pizza. Like I know good pizza and I know bad pizza. But if you're like, what's the worst pizza you ever had? I would be like, probably just like pizza high It's pretty like normal or like my frozen pizza. Like I'm not saying I won't eat it. It's not like god awful, but it's not good. Yeah, I do think it's interesting the topic of I'm open face sandwich or I'm toast, particularly with just like how is it different toast trends and i feel like there are so many cookbooks where i'm like oh i want to learn about this like what are you doing Is like this is a recipe for toast mm-hmm. wait is this an open face sandwich but it's just they well, advertise it as toast avocado like, toast
0: got super popular in the lot la- like in the p- like w- recent past years and took over the food scene but in reality i'm like it's just like loaded
1: toast which makes it to me an open-faced sandwich so right before I came here and we fought with our audio to do this I was just like offhandly like hey babe I'm collecting samples like what's an open-faced sandwich and like when is it toast and he was like honestly like there are times that you're like getting ready for work and you're like I'm just gonna make some toast and then you start with toast and then you put avocado on it and then you put an egg on it and then you like make some bacon and then you do this and I'm just like that's not toast that's a whole sandwich just like say you're making a sandwich and i'm just like
0: sometimes <sighs> i don't know i'm making a sandwich until i make the sandwich God until it. i'm
1: starting with toast and then i start adding and then it happens and also i think that's a whole other conversation in terms of my own food anxiety where i'm like not ready for a sandwich but that's like really what i want and i like have to work my way up to it mm-hmm. um i think that's interesting
0: because I feel a lot of weird anxiety around sandwiches within my, like, eating at home. Yeah. And I don't typically buy bread, but that's also a huge factor is I'm just, like, literally not home enough to, like, enjoy my bread. It usually goes bad before I actually eat through the whole loaf. It's just also just me and my partner. Um, And I think he is a little bit gluten intolerant as I just, like, shit talk to the gluten-free folks. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) but I think he's kind of in that boat um but it's it's interesting because I don't buy loaves of bread because I it's like in my brain I'm like I don't want to eat sandwiches all day I don't want to eat sandwiches all day which is so ridiculous because I'm like it's such a small portion of carbs and those that amount of carbs is not bad for me to have in the lifestyle that I live but there's this weird like just like block for me emotionally like I feel like it's bad like having a sandwich is bad if I come home and make myself a sandwich I might as well just be like making myself a giant bowl of rice to eat and that's like all I'm having it's just like empty carbs when that's not necessarily true because it depends on what you put on your sandwich it depends on the type of bread that you buy it also who fucking cares it's a fucking sandwich in your day it's not a big deal but through thinking about that preparing for the episode and thinking about this weird anxiety I have around sandwiches yet I'll go buy a bowl of pasta And not think about it, but sandwiches feel bad to me. In my like, the way my brain works, I feel like it's connected back to our comfort food episode because sandwiches are such a childhood comfort of like things that your mom or your dad or your grandma or your whatever would whip together for you as a kid. PB and J, a ham sandwich, turkey sandwich, whatever, and just give to you because it was easy for a kid to grab and go outside and keep playing. And we mentioned the comfort food episode that it's like, is there this psychological thing of like, because it brings me comfort and nostalgic joy, I can't have that. It's like this weird like, that must be bad. So we like, reject it. Because there's like, when I look at it on an intellectual level, I'm like, there's nothing that bad about a sandwich at all. But I have this like, weird paranoia in my home. And I don't understand it.
1: Well, I think as a society, our relationship to sandwiches is very complicated. Very complicated. And we have spent a lot of work in terms of flexing and opening our definition of sandwiches. And in the article I mentioned before, the like five ways that legal processes have defined sandwiches in New York. What up to our listeners in New York? what up um we love you they have one of the most liberal definitions in their tax codes of what a sandwich is new york new york they're just like you know if it's is a quote Sandwiches include cold and hot sandwiches of every kind that are prepared and ready to be eaten, whether made on bread, on bagels, on rolls, and pitas, wraps, or otherwise. And regardless oh, otherwise. of the filling, a number of layers, a sandwich can be as simple as a buttered bagel or a roll or as elaborate as a six-foot toasted submarine sandwich. Oh, yum. It's fucking poetry.
0: There's all these definitions, too. Like, with working in a restaurant that I work now, we have... A sandwich, and it's not a po' boy, even though we wanted to call it that. But apparently, to make it a po' boy, you have to use very specific bread for it to even be a po' boy, which I think is really interesting because there's another restaurant in town that does um, po' boys, and they're delicious, and I eat them, and I love it. it's one of my favorite restaurants. But on the technical term, it's not using that all the right bread interesting which is just funny to me um but then you go into like all these different cultures and I read at one point and I don't believe it but it said that the sandwich capital of the United States of America is downtown Las Vegas and I just don't buy it because there was no evidence because they're why. all
1: drinking and gambling just back to the gambler back to the gambler they need their hands but I'm like I've like, been to, to Las, Las Vegas desks.
0: and I didn't notice that many like extra amount of sandwiches but then also were they eating sandwiches like full or were they open facing again uh, i was gonna say again are we counting hot dogs and hamburgers as sandwiches too because like what is your like what's the data here like i want to know
1: because there are different definitions on it they are on ask my facebook community they're like well it has to depend on like if you have like an excessive amount of protein it's no longer toast it's it's now a sandwich if it's got this ooey gooey protein on it like if it's a tuna salad or like like a a tuna melt like a tuna melt which I've made open face okay but what about non like
0: traditional proteins like what if we did like a rab like hummus sandwich open face with like I don't know edamame and shit like edamame is a complete protein right quinoa let's say quinoa
1: Who puts quinoa on a sandwich? I don't know.
0: People put anything on bread. Don't make me a sandwich. I'm going to make my own sandwich.
1: (laughs) Someone else was like, uh, thickness of toppings is greater than the thickness of the bread. Makes the difference of like, it's toast- Versus the sandwich. And I actually really liked oh, that's that. That's a very interesting Because then comment. it does open up the possibility of adding things like different plant proteins of, you know, the time some of my partner is like, you're not making toast anymore. If I just like make toast with avocado, it's like, okay, the ratio is pretty equal. Mm-hmm. If I put some salt and pepper on there, so pretty equal. Then I start being like, I'm going to put some sprouts. I'm going to put the pickled radish. I'm going to put an egg on there. Okay, okay, okay. This is closer to a sandwich. You just omitted the carbs of the second piece of bread. To really be your own food anxiety. Ugh, and make I hate it that difficult. shit. I hate Eat. food anxiety.
0: It's so fucking annoying. Well, and then there's places like Sweden who are known for, one, beautiful food. Two... They have this thing, and I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce it, but it almost sounds like you're gonna say smorgasbord, but like not quite. But it's essentially like a sandwich cake. It's a layered cake, and it has all kinds of fillings, like you would imagine with the smorgasbord, of caviar pate, cold cuts, shrimp, cream cheese, salmon, eggs, multiple types of vegetables, and it's a sliceable sandwich. And that's like normal over there. I I don't know. I'm not in Sweden. Anybody that's listening in Sweden, please correct us that this is like totally a stereotype and we're being assholes. But
1: we are being assholes.
0: I'm being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I will take the blame. But at the same time, you're like, that sounds really fucking weird. And to me, where my brain goes is like the American 40s, 50s gelatin era where like everything was in jello. Oh my God. You know what I'm talking about? Salads. The whole salad. Like everything was jello and whipped cream and like citrus. That's it. Like it, that was all that it was. was a
1: technological revolution.
0: It was wild. And I love jello. I love it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we'll have to go to Sweden one day and find out. But regardless, when you actually think about it, we could just slice like a savory cake. The meat would freak me out. I'll do like a cucumber tea sandwich cake. That sounds good.
1: I love that the whole term of go make me a sandwich seems very simple. But then when you dig into it, it's like, what kind what of sandwich do a you sandwich? want? What do you want? Tell me what it is. And only someone who really knows you is going to be able to produce the sandwich that you want. Mm-hmm. That's actually going to make you feel better. That's actually going to put you at ease. But you don't do that with toast. That's us being moms again. It is us being moms again
0: making them a sandwich and sending them outside to play or sending them off on their way like here you can give yourself some nutrients and some proteins and carbohydrates and go run them off it's the same shit
1: yeah sandwiches are also really easy to do in assembly line very easy especially since sliced bread
0: the invention that's life-changing i can't imagine having to cut my own bread i mean i can't because i do i like i bread. do
1: and i do it badly
0: I was gonna say like I do bake bread at home and my partner is a much more avid baker than I am way better than I am but um imagine having like a loaf of bread that's not sliced and you have to slice as you need it because you don't want it to dry out because it's Mm -hmm. like natural ingredients and whatever you have like all these little like fucking maggoty little kids running around and they don't know how to fucking wield a goddamn knife and like sure maybe it's like a steak knife that they're that's what I grew up first using as like a steak knife to cut shit they cut it all janky and you're like what the fuck am i supposed to do with this i like how that's the thing that i think about as a potential parent i'm like don't cut my bread wrong
1: (laughs) get out of here good
0: god get out of my kitchen interesting what
1: i thought we were wrapping up but i remembered one more thing that i did not want to forget
0: go for it
1: it's all you stage is yours thank you do you remember in our episode on the patriarchy and meat culture mm-hmm. of course and I when joey was just like oh i want a woman on bread oh fuck yeah and that led me to this whole campaign of wonder bread and slice bread selling the idea of using sandwiches to catch men
0: what so the italian meatball head is the classic, like, museum which sandwich, i will be everything's fine if I have a
1: sandwich in my hand. Well, and what's fascinating is... It's that a stereotype, is not real. Wonder Bread was one of the first sliced breads that had the right preservatives so that it wasn't getting stale. It was going to be fine. It was sold to women as, like, this highly nutritious food. It's just, like, it's the wonder food. Like, it's fine bread and meat and cheese and condiments. And also, if you put it into cultural context, this is coming out of a time where the women right before, like, wonder bread, sandwiches. I mean, people had sandwiches, but, like, the boom of this tender trap. That's the actual term they use in the advertisements for oh women to catch men with. The they tender were, trap. They were called like tender a, traps. I the feel like The sandwiches. Like that's, a, that's about a vagina. The but there was also the, um, I think it was Frank Sinatra who was in a movie called The Tender Trap. It's a vagina. We're talking about
0: a fucking vagina. Even though they're not tender.
1: Well, it also they're just makes me think of, do you really think of my vagina as a trap? Because as someone who works on a farm, I think of a trap as something that goes like. Well, but like, think is about that it, what though- happens? Well, if you think about in the era
0: of the Frank Sinatra, like, shit, if you slept with a girl, there was all this, like, society things of, like, even if nobody knew that you fucked her, like, there's, like, responsibility now. Potentially took this bitch's virginity, excuse me, this beautiful young woman who is just owning her sexuality, and I love it. And then he's like, oh shit, I guess I have to marry now, otherwise I'll go to hell. Like, it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. But I do think it's really funny to think that there was a whole campaign on the way to a man's heart is through sandwiches because I feel like that's in a way like that still carried into the 90s with the Friends episode, with the like New Yorker, New Jersey, these like big city Chicago men that are like. You know they just want the fucking sub sandwich, the meatball sub, like mm-hmm. it it was like oh he's angry like there's even another I'm a big fan fan of friends but there's another episode where Joey's sister, her little, his little sister, has to tell him that she's pregnant out of wedlock, right? And they're from a very, like, traditional Catholic, New Jersey, Italian family. And she has to tell him this. And so, basically, one of his friends is like, okay, he's going to be really angry and really upset with you. But you're going to tell him that you're pregnant and then you're going to immediately hand him a meatball sub. <gasps> because nothing – he can't be mad with a meatball sub. And so this whole episode is like kind of based around this push to her telling her brother that she's pregnant. And she has this meatball sub and she's holding it. And before she can even tell him when she walks to the door that I'm pregnant, he like smells the meatball sub and is like, wait, wait, stop what you're saying. Like, do you have a meatball sub with you? And she's like, oh, my God, it's in my purse. Like, yes, I do. And so she gives it to him and then tells him and then he gets all upset. And there's this whole thing. With his friend of, like, you should have t- told him before you gave him the sub because then everything would have been fine. It's just, it's just funny because it's, it's funny to think about it in a somewhat present day. Even though the 90s were, like, 20 years ago. But I'm sure it's still prevalent. I just don't, like, notice it as much.
1: Well, but that's up against a backdrop of a broader cultural context. Give the man
0: a sandwich and everything will be
1: fine. It'll just be fine. It'll be fine. Um going back to sandwich bread Mm -hmm. wonder bread specifically wonder bread is very interesting because it's one of it is a very american wonder bread is incredibly american my grandmother
0: i know me and multiple people i know in in this town that grew up here their grandparents
1: worked at the wonder bread store But the Wonder Bread itself was sold to housewives as this amazing, like, this is not going to go stale. It's totally nutrient-dense. You're feeding your family these great ingredients. Just, like, fill it with these meat and cheese and things that... Also, this was sold to a generation that were coming out of a time of food rations when, like, home canning was a big thing because they were trying to supplement food rations. And Wonder Bread was, like this is pretty awesome and it fills all these needs and it's soft and fluffy all the time it's soft and fluffy and you just put some meat and cheese and some condiments and then you have sandwiches and everybody has food for the day and like how amazing is that coming out of a time when you were rationing everything so that was like amazing to women and then coming out of that when it started to lose steam And selling to children is like, oh, this is going to make you big and strong and like get your parents to buy this because it's going to be big and strong. Like that was doing fine. But then at a certain point, mainly in the 60s, Wonder Bread was like, well, another market we could tap into is young girls needing to attract husbands. And so they released a whole campaign targeted towards teenage women around using their bread to make sandwiches to trap you want my muffin boy (laughs) to trap men to trap boys it was called date bait it was called the tender trap and they ran the full color ads of these beautiful women in like life magazine or whatever magazine and it would just be like her holding a white bread sandwich with like layers of cheese and tomato and it was just like a food-styled sandwich where you're like, that's fucking beautiful. And then she'd be holding it and looking at it in the camera, and she's, like, gorgeous. And it just, like, has, like, date bait stamped on her forehead. The most common one on these ads, because there was quite a few of them, and they ran in the late 60s into the early 70s. They would say, like, tender trap, and then it'd be a woman holding a sandwich. Um, Hmm. But... It's just like, it's wild and the copy with it is like, are you the kind of girl boys fall in love with at the drop of your false lashes? Ew. Is your mailbox overflowing with torrid love letters? Say you play the dating game to win, but don't forget catching his eye is one thing, keeping it is another be a little sneaky remember boys love to eat and they love wonder sandwiches so get wonder going for you help catch boys that's That's so sexual
0: also it's like in the beginning it's like here we're gonna like get you to like want to feel like you need this and then we're gonna make you feel shitty about yourself and then we're gonna tell you why you need it because of how shitty you are
1: that's so gross wonder Help catch boys. That's so weird. That's so weird. But it also
0: like again I keep going back to the feeds into this like being the mom because your mom packed these lunches before you even like sexually aroused these same things. It's so gross. It's so gross so gross. Like (laughs) go make me a sandwich. Go make me a sandwich you you tender trap you caught you. me
1: here with a sandwich like where's my fucking sandwich no wonder men are angry
0: <laughs> i'm just get fucking kidding oh my god this i want you to be my mom i want you to take care of the house i want you to do my laundry i want you to press my pants i want you to make me dinner i want you to like all, but also like i
1: get to fuck you <laughs> so i feel like this is one episode topic That we kind of accepted going into it doesn't have a very clear beginning or an end. We just kind of have to accept that we all have this gendered relationship to sandwiches. And this term, go make me a sandwich. And we just kind of live with it every day. And we make fun of it every day. And we like put it over each other every day. To the point that it's affected the generations before me, my generation, and the ones after me. We all know what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we're supposed to pretend we're over it because like, oh, but do men really say that to you? But it actually really impacts multiple aspects of our lives. Yeah. And it might not be the
0: exact words, go make me a sandwich, but it's in a lot of other ways. And also what's a fucking sandwich? Yeah. I mean, sandwiches are just a vessel. And we have strong
1: opinions about it. Go ahead. Ask someone around you. What's a sandwich? What's an open face sandwich? What's toast? A burrito is not a sandwich. And I stand by that. I disagree a hundred percent, and that's a burrito is not a sandwich. Talking.
0: It is no, it is a burrito. A is a burrito level, it's a different, it's a different application. No, it's a burrito. I disagree. I
1: that respectfully really disagree. Thank you for listening. Your time is a gift that we appreciate immensely. If you enjoyed this
0: conversation, please follow, share, and rate this podcast. It makes a difference, and it helps us reach more folks that want to digest their relationship to food. You can connect with me,
1: Rose, on Instagram at culinary herbalism, and me, Khmeya at tasty, salty, real. Next up is our season finale. Whoop whoop. Can you believe it, Rose? It's wild. It's here. We I can't believe it. it. I'm we're already excited it. for season two, though. Let's let's just do well, it. Well, let's finish this one. I know. And, I, and I Yeah, we have work to do. Well, next up, we're finishing up, wrapping it up, taking a break for the holidays. My own inequality. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You more than one. It's to give you a cut in the audio so you can see it. But I wanted to do it. And you want one of those, like we get one of those like and action we should that's what it's for though it's for the audio <gasps> so you can see
0: it damn when i got rid of it i had a little barbie one
1: <laughs> it was tiny all right and scene my own inequality